Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley here for the weekly talk and footy episode, episode 25. Big one to get through. Last round of footy this week. We just had round 24 and we do have the finals on the horizon. And as always, Rugby League does like to throw up a whole heap of topics to, for discussion for the fans, a lot of controversy and some good news stuff as well. So a bit of everything. But for this week, we've got Maddie Person back on board. So welcome back to the NRL All-Stars podcast, mate. Talking footy week. Looking forward to having you back on. Good to be here, Barty. Always good fun. And it's um, getting to that pointy end of the season at the moment, isn't it? Not that it's uh, any good for us suffering Tiger supporters, but it's about the time of year where I decide who I'm going to go for in the semis. <laughs> Have you picked out a team yet? <laughs> uh, I've actually liked the Roosters this year, mate. I, I like the where they've come from and how they're going, but I normally go for an underdog, but I think I'm going to jump on the Chooks bandwagon this year for the semis. Well, I mean, technically we are an underdog. I think um, everyone's on Penrith and Penrith with the bookies are the uh, well and truly the favourites. I think the Roosters are actually still, if anyone wants to jump on, fourth favourites, I'm pretty sure. Have been informed though, so I, I do I do like your style per se. I'm, I'm wondering whether you're just blowing a bit of smoke to try and get on next week's podcast, but you know, it's, it works. Flattery is the best thing. <laughs> uh, you do have to desk go, mate. That's, I'm still, still my favourite player, even though he's not with the Tigers, so... I just like the way they're going at the moment. I think they're sort of peaking at the right end of the season, the Chooks. There's a lot to like the last sort of six or seven weeks. So interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I, I, I said about five, probably five weeks ago, I was really warming to a Penrith Roosters grand final. And I don't think that I've moved too far from that. In fact, I'm even more confident in that now, I reckon. Yeah, an absolute cracker. That's that's sort of what I'm looking at to myself at the moment. Obviously, Panthers, it, it, I'd be shocked if they didn't make the grand final so uh, uh, Panthers Chooks grand final would be an absolute bell ringer I reckon I think it'd be a really good one and to be honest like Penrith deserve to be favorites and they are the best team in the comp still as far as I'm concerned but I do think that there is a, a couple of teams that could trouble them but the Roosters probably match up better than anyone like I know the Roosters have the experience as well over them uh, that could see them actually push them in a grand final and beat them so I don't think there's too many teams at the moment that really are going to give us a cracker grand final with both teams are peaking. And I think the Roosters are one of those teams that could do it if they uh, meet the Panthers there. Yeah, I agree. You look at the rest of the teams. I mean, Parramatta's another one. You just never know what you're going to get from them, but they seem to turn up. Yeah, they've been doing well against good teams. We'll see how the finals goes this year. Yeah, I'm still just... I, I don't know if they can put together three or four big games in a row still. That, that's the big thing around the Panthers, but... And I just, the storm you can never sort of rule out, but I just think they've got a couple too many hurdles this year. They might make the prelim, but I think they'll just be, I don't think they're quite good enough this year with the injuries that they've had to, to get through to the GF and win. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page, I think. But um, we might be on a different page when we get through some of these topics. Uh, so let's get into it. For those that are listening for the first time, the Talking Footy episodes of the NRL All-Stars podcast is just fans talking footy, people from around the rugby league world, um, sometimes ex-players, sometimes other podcasters, sometimes just some regulars, sometimes some podcast veterans like Perso. Got a whole heap of different people that jump on and just talk some rugby league with me. We talk about all the biggest topics in rugby league at the time. No BS, no media bias, just saying it how it is. Uh, And certainly this week, there's a few things that have divided NRL opinion. 
you can download also the Supercoach episodes of the podcast. We just had the round 25 one. We do have a Supercoach round review next week, which will likely be the last Supercoach episode. But the Talking Footy episodes are going to keep continuing throughout the finals. We've also got the Rugby League Cup, World Cup coming up too. So probably talk a bit about that. But let's get into this episode. First things first, Perso, round 24 review. Uh, I think there was a few real standouts from the round. Uh, But for me, the first one was probably that Eels-Broncos game. Now, we are going to talk a bit more about what's going on with the Broncos a bit later in the podcast as well separately. But as far as the game goes, 53-6. to And I have to say, I was amazed at how easily the Broncos fell over. Like they just gave up a try in the 10th minute to Mike Acebo and then it was just floodgates. And then all of a sudden it was four unanswered tries before we even hit the 30-minute mark. And you just sort of thought, wow, this is just going to get really embarrassing. Um, 24 to 6 at the half. Maybe Broncos fans had a glimmer of hope. And then, uh, sorry, right before the half, I should say, um, the Eels scored again to really put the nail in and they just ran off with it. The Broncos were really poor. When you're having a look at the stats, uh, they only had 38% possession, but a lot of that was because that's all they earned, really. Um, There was too many errors, way too many missed tackles. And again, we've spoken about it for three weeks in a row, the run metres. The Broncos had 1,063 run metres. The Eels doubled it, 2,018 run metres. A lot of that was in the Fords. And once again, the, the story of the last month is the Broncos' Fords are just rolling over, absolutely dominated. And you just look at that and then you look at the missed tackles and the errors uh, and 52 missed tackles to the Eels 23 really tells a lot of the story. And you just sort of think, what sort of attitude is this Broncos team going to have week to week? Because it's just not good enough for a team that should be eyeing off finals football, let alone a month ago eyeing off a top four spot. So it was a really poor game from the Broncos per se. But at the same time, I guess sometimes we get carried away and don't give enough credit to the Eels. You know, by all accounts, we all, feel like at this point in the year, anyone in the top eight that Eels going to lose to um, because they're starting on their slide. Um, but they've actually gotten some form back the last few weeks and been playing a lot better. And they looked really good. And I thought their big players stepped up for the game. And it was at Suncorp too, which isn't that much of an easier uh, away game for the Eels to have. So good credit for the Eels. But, geez, the Broncos were terrible. Yeah, they've, they've fallen off a cliff, haven't they? Like I said, compared to where they were sort of a month to six weeks ago, where they sort of won, what, seven games in a row there at one point. They were just sniffing at the top four. They were sitting, actually sitting fourth when they lost to the Tigers. And then it's just all gone downhill from there. Um, after they got towed up by the storm, you you would have thought that, that surely they turn up in front of 30,000 fans at Suncorp against the Eels, but um, they were just abysmal. I know Reynolds went off with a HIA in the first half, but I mean that's not 53 points difference. It's and neither's Carrigan being out. It's just hard to put your finger on what the bloody hell is going on from where they because they were starting to look like a really good football side there at one point. But you touched on the run meters, their back three didn't make any. The forwards are just getting rolled. I know Parramatta can do that to sides when they're on, but they were just awful. The Broncos. It's just it's gone back to the side they were for two years prior to this one. Yeah, it certainly did. Um, some of the other big ones as well, though. GIO Stadium, the Raiders versus Manly. You sort of thought, you know, on form and with what the Raiders needed to do, that they they were going to beat Manly. But again, Manly's this other team that you can half excuse a little bit more than what the Broncos falling over is because, you know, Manly season is at least over. 
But it's always disappointing when a side just rolls over. And that just seemed like what Manly have done. And I think that some of the commentators actually said it best, whether you were listening to uh, the call team on, on like 2GB or Triple M or whether you're watching Fox Sports, it didn't matter where you were, but a lot of them said basically the same thing, that Manly look like they don't want to be there. And and that's really poor for the fans. It's a real poor end of season finish too. Sometimes you get to see a bit of pride in the jumper where teams want to finish things off really well. And and the Seagulls really didn't. Uh, and the Raiders beat them 48 to 6. And that's really played the Raiders into form because they were pretty scintillating. And they just scored point after point after point. You know, they had five tries before the half and it was just all over. Manly didn't even cross the line until the 63rd minute. And it was just, they're just making up the numbers at the moment. Just each week, it just looks like fodder. And when you're looking at the stats, um, look, the possession was 56-44. That isn't really too bad considering how badly they lost. 73% completion rates for the Seagulls. Probably not the best, but not the worst. Again, though, you've got a side that's edging towards 50 missed tackles and and double-figure errors, um, which just is a sign of sides attitude, again, very similar to the Broncos. So it was kind of similar to the Broncos game per so. You just had one team just not really want to be there and not turn up, and the other team just take advantage and fully smash them. And it was a big win for the Raiders. Oh, the Raiders look great. That's The, the Raiders don't normally win like that, this, this Ricky Stewart Raiders side. They're a grindy, grafty sort of side that get over the top of teams. They don't normally put massive scores on it. Jeez, Manly were awful, like awful. That they were lucky it was only what it was at half time. The, um, Starling dropped a ball after a break, too. It would have been up even another six points before half time. It was a bomb that absolute dead set sitter of a try. So, uh, it, you're right with that narrative. Every the commentators are all saying it's like nearly given up. I don't know, the Rainbow Gate or whatever they just ever since that Rainbow jersey round, they've just gone to pieces. Which is disappointing considering they've had uh, Turbo out for so long and mainly hanging in there without him. They were winning, they were playing well, they looked like they were still going to make the eight. And then all of a sudden after that, they've just fallen off a cliff. It'd be very frustrating for Manly fans. Yeah, it sure would. And you, you hit the nail on the head there too, where you, you're not used to seeing the Raiders do this, this type of flogging against a team, even at GIA Stadium. Like a good win for them is sort of a, a 12 to 18 point margin is a big win for the Raiders. They just don't put on that many points. And they just don't win games like that. So if they're doing that to you, it's a real bad sign of where you're at as a team because if they were playing the Panthers, the Roosters, the the, the Rabbitohs with how they're in form at the moment, like they, they would have had they would have been the Tigers a week before against the Roosters, seventy something put on them, you know, and certainly the Storm would have put a, a mountain on them as well, a cricket score. So it's just it's bad signs. I, I thought I felt really sorry for Manly fans. Uh, Points Bet Stadium, the Sharkies won 16-0 in what was a bit of a bludger of a game. Uh, and I'm interested in your take on it because I couldn't decide how I felt about it. The Bulldogs had 52% possession, lost 16-0. Um, their attack's kind of gone in the back pocket again a little bit lately, and you could see that. The completion rate of the Sharks is 64%, though. That's really poor. Uh, and they're obviously one of the – they're looking at finishing second in the comp. So that's it's not going to cut it. Hardly any missed tackles, though. So it was really weird when you look at the numbers of this game. The Sharks had 18 missed tackles. The Bulldogs had 50. But the Sharks had, you know, a much worse completion rate and less possession. The numbers didn't even marry up in this one. And it just, it was that type of game on paper. And it was that type of game when you're watching it. It was just an odd game that wasn't a great game to watch. I don't know, per se, whether it said more about the Dogs or more about the Sharks. Yeah, it was a bit of a bludger, wasn't it, really? Everyone was sort of expecting the Sharks to come out and sort of put a bit of a... A number up on the dogs, but 
the dogs are a gritty side, but I don't know, it, it certainly wasn't the Sharks' best performance. But as you said, just defensively, they were rock solid. I think that's they still won 16 nil, so it's a 16 point margin. But um, purely on defence, really, their attack didn't really click. They made a lot of errors. 64% is pretty ordinary when it comes to completion rates, but defensively they were um, pretty strong. So they got the points. The, the Bulldogs, they seem to have um, fallen away a bit ever since uh, Seraldo got named as the coach for next year. They, the queue's been put in the rack, I think. They're not trying to impress Potter anymore or something. I don't know what's going on, but they've um, certainly not the side they were for a, a four or six-week period there. But, which is quite a bit of a dour thing. The Sharks get drawn into that sort of a game, but they still did enough to win. So I guess they just one of those ones you just put behind you, take the two points and focus on the next week with the Sharkies. Yeah, I think so as well. I will say I, I did worry a little bit about the Sharkies at times on whether they were going to sort of falter a little bit. Um, and this running into the finals, I'm going to put it down to it just being one game. Um, but I do think that they're sort of a tier below some of the other teams at the moment, as far as you'd be scared about playing. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, some of the other games as well. I'll just, I'll let you lead this one off, mate. Your Tigers lost 24 to 22. <laughs> How do you feel about this one? Mate, I enjoyed watching the Roosters put 70 on us more than I enjoyed than watching that game. <laughs> I mean, at, least, at least the Chooks I had four, um, four Roosters players and be super catch. So I had something to, <laughs> to go off but. That was such a terrible game of football against the Dragons, <clears throat> which is we've been involved in about five or six of the some of the worst games you've ever seen in your life this year, the Tigers, but that was up there again. 24-22, fair dinkum. Uh, we had them all game. I mean, we said we the size rubbish. We had 14 players out of the top 30 available, but just some of the errors in that game. That, oh, you had one of theirs in the bin as well. Was. was it young? Was it, Ramsey was in the bin as well for ten minutes. There. Yeah, and then as soon as he came back on, Jack Bird had the biggest brain explosion you've ever seen. And he went to the bin as well. Yeah, that's arguing, right. Yeah. Arguing with the ref, and he wouldn't shut up. And it was a penalty. And he just kept barking, and he got another ten in the bin. So, and that put us up sixteen six. Uh, but uh, yeah, the um, obviously the anyone that watched the game would see would, was game was in the balance. It was twenty two sixteen. And uh, the Dragons put a short drop out in, didn't go to 10. And young um, Junior Poga was offside and touched the ball inside the 10, gave the Dragons a penalty when we should have had a penalty right in front. <laughs> that would have been, pretty much would have been a game. But that just pretty much summed up the game. It was horrible. It does. And it's also like, to be fair to, you know, what people need to remember is it's what happens when you've got a young side. Like when you're playing young guys... Yeah. And you're having to bring them through because your veterans haven't stood up or because your season's over and you need to blood them. It's the type of errors that you're going to hit, you know, that t- that sort of thing. So it's good. You can't, can't blame him for the loss. Although our best player, Adam Dewey, made a fundamental mistake a couple of sets afterwards, trying to pick the ball up from dummy half. And then the Dragons scored the winning try after that. So, mm. you know, it's just, it was a horrible team performance. You can't blame one individual player, but it's just sort of those, that just summed up where we are as a team, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think so as well. And like when you look at the numbers, you only lost by two, but you only had 40% possession and a 62% completion rate to the Dragons, 86%. So, I mean, geez, yeah, the numbers say you probably should have been down by 20 points at the end of that game, but you managed to stick in it somehow and even be leading near the end. So, uh, even the missed tackles, the Dragons had 10 more missed tackles than the Tigers. So, interesting. Uh, I, do, I do think that there's probably a couple of players that really gave 
they were all in that one. Um, I thought Dewey was quite good despite the couple of errors he had. Like people will look at his couple of line break and try assists uh, that went to a couple of the tries, and also he's had a heap of runs as well with some good tackle breaks and some good kicks at times as well. But he had a couple of really good defensive efforts. That one where he's chasing the corner for the try and he stopped yeah, it. That was, that was great. Awesome. Especially considering he's been under pressure the last couple of weeks for a few defensive lapses. I thought he did step up defensively in that game. And I'm going to give a shout out to a bit of an unknown to old Farmer Brown, known as Farmer Brown in the Supercoach circles anyway. Uh, Farmer Moon Brown, he has come from obscurity again. Like he obviously had some serious injuries and then he was back in New South Wales Cup, but no one sort of thought, you know, he's going to come back into NRL really. Um, he was sort of fringe when he broke through for a couple of years and then obviously got his his bad injury. But um, he, I thought that he's been really good. Like I thought... He might not be a dummy half, so I don't know about starting him there. And he certainly, if you're near the try line, at least one of your sets, one of your tackles in your set's gone because he's going to run it from dummy half. But he just, he's at least tried. You know, he looks like he really wants to be there. He's putting in a massive effort um, and he's just trying and he's working his guts out. I really appreciate what he's done for your Tigers the last month. And he scored a, another try on the weekend again, played 63 minutes as a, as a lock forward at 13. And I think he looked quite good there. So I, I've been both surprised with him uh, and also as a Tigers supporter if I was one I'd be fairly proud about the effort that he's put in at least but just the effort for him to get back on the foot he's had the massive string of injuries uh for those out there that listen to um the Magic Sponge podcast with uh, NRL Physio he um well, probably five or six weeks ago had he had an interview with Fayou Brown about the injuries that he's been through and it's just been astronomical every time he looked just like getting a look in at the dogs or the sharks he just got injured again and the really painful injuries and he's been through hell and back just to get back on the field so it was really good to see him um it was actually the episode came out that week he scored a double for the tigers when he first came back into the side but um yeah he's been really really good for us um it's just good to see him go through what he's done and to keep his nrl Dream alive as a journeyman that's now 26, 27. But um, he's probably done enough to get himself a contract again next year. He's a bit of a, a utility player for us. He's certainly puts the effort in. He, he's looked pretty sharp. So there's a lot more you can say for a lot of other guys. But I just, it was just really good to see him having a bit of success finally because he's just had such a hard road. Mm, 100%. Left the controversial games to last. Souths won 20 to 10 over the Cowboys. I. Absolutely threw my toys out of the cot at the end of this. I walked, I like got up, had had the shits in front of the TV. My wife said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the other room. I'm, I'm annoyed. Because <laughs> that game got absolutely ruined and decided by the refs as far as I'm concerned uh, at the end of that game. It was just diabolical for me that South ended up winning that 20 to 10 under the circumstances. Uh, and I went to the fridge, got myself a beverage, sat at the counter for a minute. Went back over and I watched the rest of it, but I, it made me not want to watch it per se. That's how annoyed I was watching it as a fan. It was a couple of big calls. Um, the first one, though, is is the real tough one to take. I'm obviously not a Cowboys fan, right? And I was filthy at watching this game. Cohen Hess comes out of the line, belts Campbell Graham in, in what I think even if that, you know, didn't cop a, if that didn't cop a suspension or, or a sin bin, it would be replayed in next year's marketing leading up to the season as probably as one of the biggest hits of the year, you know, yet um, at this point, 
you know, it looked like a great hit. It looked like a big hit, but Campbell Graham looked hurt. Um, and that was the initial issue. Uh, then obviously there was a bit of push and shove and players made something of it. But the reality of it was when you looked at it, you sort of thought, well, there's nothing in it. And then when you saw the replays, I just sort of thought, well, maybe their heads have hit there. That's the only thing where you can see the head contact. But then Campbell Graham got up and was fine, and Cohen Hess was actually worse for wear. So then it was just like, oh, look, it's just a big collision. You know, and that's basically what it came to after a few reviews of it. It just looks like a big collision. You know, I said to myself in my head, because it's 2022 and the NRL in 2022 will always do this, it'll be a penalty. I don't know what for, but it'll be a penalty because he's hitting too hard and everyone didn't like it on the field. So because of that, you know, it's a penalty. Then all of a sudden the, the 10 fingers go up in the air and I just, I just lost my mind. I, I didn't understand why. And I was, you know, I'm not, and to everyone out there that, that now thinks that that was, you know, a high shot or whatever, I'm I'm not even commenting on that at the time, okay? I, I'm just, I'm looking at what was there and what I could see. I couldn't see watching the footage any high contact other than a head. And I was looking at what the bunker was looking at. I was listening to what the ref said. There wasn't even an explanation that I heard from the bunker or the referee as to why it was a sin bin. I just heard 10 go. That was it. You know, so I was struggling to understand why, because you obviously need a reason per se to be sending someone to the bin. You need a bloody reason to penalise someone. And, you know, the, the, the captain and the player that's getting penalised is entitled to know what's it for. And I don't even think they had an explanation. I think that they just got scared and just had a knee jerk. Now, the thing that was worse than that is that I watched Campbell Graham go off and then get told on the broadcast it's not a HIA, it's just because they had a free go at it because it's a foul play interchange. And then he came back on anyway. He didn't even stay for a head injury assessment or anything. He didn't need one. So, I mean, the whole thing just stunk to me. He's only gotten one week, and I think the one week was just saving grace to try and you know, say that, oh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was wrong what he did. But I still don't even think that they've got footage showing that it's a high shot. Like, that's my take on it. I've watched it a million times. I still can't see it. If anyone wants to show me a picture of it, hitting him high other than head-on-head contact, I'm happy to go back and change my opinion on it. But per se, that's my rant for this round's games. I just could not understand what that call was. And to me, it went a long way to decide the game. Uh, yeah, that's a great to tackle to. Uh, that's, what, that's what the game's getting to. I the shits with after Finucane. The, what happened with that, with the, the head clash and he, his head did his ear. If he didn't split Crichton's ear, no one would be saying a word about it. But uh, <laughs> slot, there was a head clash there. You, you summed everything up with Graham, didn't even go, look, if, if it was bad enough to be put in the bin for high contact, then why wasn't Graham put in the um, the head bin <laughs> for HIA? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> I can't keep up with where they're going with this stuff. I really can't. Well, I made the comment, it's almost that... You're almost at the point where coaches are going to say to players, don't hit anyone hard and don't go in fast. You just go in and, and, and carry guys around and wrestle them well, and softly and slowly because otherwise if it's too hard and fast, you're going to get pulled up for something or people are going to get annoyed. It's like they're starting to, to penalise potential uh, incidents that could go wrong. We're running down the line and whacking a bloke. Well, potentially that could go pear sharp. We can't have guys doing this, so let's just knock it on the head even though... It was just a big collision and both guys a little bit dazed from just a good old-fashioned big collision, but we can't have that. We can't have guys running down the line and wanting to whack blokes. No, that's too much like rugby league, that. Um, 
<laughs> I just don't. I, I just don't get it. It's like the old. The, it's the all the the stuff around the concussion laws. It's, it's just I think they're, they're treading water and they've gone a bit too far the other way now to the point where you just you sort of can't do anything anymore. It's getting to the point where they're going to put a couple of tags on their strides. Yeah, it's it really it really worries you with with calls like that. I think as a fan, um, you want to see. Um, the the big shots you want to see guys building each other you want to see guys well it's rugby league bars isn't it it's, it's meant to be um, but you know it's it, it's not what they're sort of putting these rules into to try and make the game is it it's not trying to make it rugby league anymore it's trying to pull back from what rugby league is to me we're cracking down on spear tackles and uh, the the crusher tackles and cannonballs and all that sort of stuff the hip drop that that's fine but but just run down the line and whacking the black you can't shoulder charge anymore, but when you do shoulder charge these days, it's not even a, you just get a fine. <laughs> Where when they first brought that in, it was an automatic two week suspension. It's I don't know, I just can't keep up with that crackdown on the third income. It's just ridiculous. No, and I think one of the worst things is, and this in that game, it brought me back to comments that I've made all year in that referees are too scared to have any authority and control the game. And it, it just it rang home again. I watched that incident over and over and it just said it to me again. You know, if you had a ref 20 years ago, they would have said, get out of it, Latrell, get out of it, whoever, play the ball. You know, what are you running in for? And guys would have actually gotten in trouble for running in um, and trying to defend their teammate for a big hit because it would have been, there's nothing in it, you know. And look, I'm not, again, I don't want 100% say there's nothing in that or Graham was lying down. It wasn't the case. It was a head knock. But there was, there was no reason. At the moment, we have players that if somebody gets hurt or there's a big hit, you have players go in, rush in and try and start a, a melee about it. When it was like it used to just be a, a pat on the back from the, the defender, that marker behind you going, good hit. And then exactly. it used to be the next forward up go, right, I'm running it. I'm going to give it to them. And they take a massive hit up, and then you just you go, and that's footy. Well, that's coached into it too, though, Barnsley, because they know as soon as you start putting a bit of push and shove, they're going to look at it, they're going to find something that's going to slow it down. There's going to be a penalty. Well, there's a big flow and effect for that too, isn't there? And there's a lot to answer for with a lot of the rules in the game at the moment because it does reward guys sitting down, um, it do, and it does reward guys waiting for reviews, and it does reward. You know, guys, a guy gets sent to the bin for something, um, you know, and I'm not saying, again, at any point that Campbell Graham was faking it or, or lying down or whatever. Oh, but, it was a head clash, Barnsley. That's it. That was just a head clash from a big hit. Get on, play on with it. Like, but 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 players do know in those circumstances. You you sit down and they get a free interchange if that guy goes to the bin. Um, and they know as like, well that it will be reviewed. Like, the rules are there to be manipulated by players at the moment. And... You can have the same rules there and not have them manipulated in those instances like that Hess hit. If you've got referees that are confident and going to assert their authority on the game and really have some balls and professionalism. And unfortunately, I just don't think they got it at the moment. They're just all too scared. Nah, you're 100% correct. They're, they're walking around on eggshells, the refs. They're dead if they do, Dan. If they don't, they're, they're not game enough to make the ballsy decisions anymore. It's not like the days of Bill Harrigan and just do it and it's his way and that's it type of thing. It's, that's, there's no confidence whatsoever in the refs these days. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like that I want it to be, you know, like it was in 1978. We had guys running with fine elbows and stuff and <laughs> WrestleMania moves and, and stuff, Ultimate Warrior style and Macho Man Savage and stuff on the rugby league field. You don't want any of that. And you certainly want to punish any 
legitimate high tackles or dirty play. Um, but unfortunately, we're just punishing all this other stuff as far as I'm concerned, well, and it's ruining yeah. the game. The thing that's the hardest to take out of the Hess incident is you look at a guy, which I'm sure is probably going to, we're going to roll into the Chooks and Melbourne game next anyway, but you look at a guy like Nass, who has had, in the last seven weeks, has had five $3,000 fines from elbows and whatnot. Well, that one on Wade Egan the other week, we knocked shit his front tooth and everything. Come like he, The guy doesn't get suspended for doing stuff like that. But Hess is going to be sitting on the sideline for putting a good shot on, and they just had a head clash. Like it's, how do you swallow that? It's it's really hard, and I would struggle as a rugby league player in 2022. I really would, especially if you're a Ford. But let's talk about that versus Melbourne game. Uh, the positives out of it were I thought it was a fantastic contest. Yeah. Uh, it was a really great game to watch, as far as if yeah. you, especially if you like the old school games where it was just it was a dead set cracker. Yeah, the Ford packs trying to get on top of each other, a bit of spite in there, a lot of competitiveness, a, a game that you didn't know who was going to win. It, it had some, it had some great skill in there as well. It had everything. Um, that was a really great game, and it was really physical. It was one of the more physical contests that we've seen this season. And there's only been probably two or three games I thought were semi final football, and that was a semi final game. Now. The bad side of it is that that referee got dropped after that game, and I did think that it was slightly over-officiated. And I also thought that everything was so slow. When there was a melee or stoppage, you know, it was just so slow. The ref has control to get get on with things. But the big talking point is obviously the charges and everything that's come out of that. Melbourne are very upset about it, um, and that's our next topic about that game and the charges and everything that have happened. NAS versus JWH was fantastic viewing. Like that's what you oh, want yeah, to see. You want to see the two the two big alpha forwards go at each other and just go for it, you know. And I just sort of thought there was a, a few different things. Like let's start with JWH. You know, start with my roosters. He, I, I liked, I like what he does because you need one of those guys, and he doesn't take a backward step and he goes for it. He went over the top a little bit afterwards, but like I said to my wife because my wife said to me, "Oh, well, did he headbutt him then? What did he do?" I, I thought he kissed him on the forehead to be perfect. And I legitimately did. I thought that he was doing a bit of a, an FU, here's a kiss on the forehead after the hit, you know, and the bit of the neck rub and stuff. I didn't think there was much in it. I understand that there was the the warning before that, that you're going for 10. So, like, I'll cop Jared going for 10. But I thought that there was other, that Naz was probably going for 10 as well. Like, well, you expected it, didn't you? Uh, if it, like at least Kenny Bromwich being the third man come running in and start the little melee afterwards, like because it was a clear warning, and um, that's it. Up, Hargraves whacked him and gave him a bit of a, uh, the old fashioned head treatment on the ground. Yeah, you know, fair enough. He called it. He's going to put him in the bin, but surely one of the Storm guys had to go. But it wasn't that. It had to be Kenny Bromwich for running in and starting the melee afterwards. He just blatantly said, "The next one with a running in's gone," and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, look, it was. It highlights as well that the, the players lying down. Like, I don't like to accuse <laughs> players of it because you really don't know a lot of the time. But there is no way that that Nelson Asafa Solomona or six foot eight, hundred and forty kilos of him was yeah. going to lie down there and not be able to play that ball. Like that uh, was he... really disappointing for me. Like you want to see that bloke get up, play the ball, give Jared a spray. And then take and then smash Jared where Hargraves the next time he runs the ball. That's what you want to see. Well, that's the difference with the modern football in here, isn't it? Like even back in the nineties, or you look at the the Chief and Har- and uh, Spud Carroll clashes. You know, you couldn't imagine one of those guys doing that. They just whacked each other all all game. 
And that's all that was. Look at it then. Nas gets that one and he just lies down, puts a dairy farmer's jacket on, milks a buggery out of it, and we are where we are. He should have got back up and wanted to just give it to JWH the next time we got the ball, you know. But, yeah, that's the game we've got these days. Now, obviously, there's a few other things that happened in that game. Nelson, Asafa, Solomona also had a few other incidents. And, like, I'll go to bat for him for a couple. I saw a couple. Like, there was one where he sort of, you know, a player was kind of going down but not on the ground and he kind of dove at him with his shoulder and arm and put his weight into him. You know, I've got no problem with that, you know, and I think that's it's silly to highlight that sort of stuff. Like, you're allowed to hit blokes. So I, I don't care about that sort of stuff, um, and I think he's a bit hard done by on some of those. But on some of the other ones, you know, that elbow again um, that he put on, uh, Suali was just it, it, it's form from before and I think every week well it is and it's I, I tell you my problem with it perso and you can tell me how you feel about it but um, I'll, I'll go out and say outright I, I had disagreements with um, rugby league physio on Twitter um, and I 100% respect Brian and everything that he does and I think he's great I am happy to have disagreements with people who I like and I, I that's fine because that's footy to me. And if you've got an opinion on it, talk about it and we can disagree on it. That's cool. But I disagreed with some of what he said. Yep. The problem is with Twitter is that I'm really limited to the amount of characters. So I gave up in the end, but I'll explain myself here. <laughs> Ryan, uh, the NRL physio was making the point that um, guys like Naz and JWH need to be punished and set, sitting on the sideline. They need to be punished more severely because punishing all of this type of behaviour, and specifically, he said high shots um, is going to help. Is going to make them correct their technique. There needs to be technique corrected, um, and that was the big thing I had the problem with. I didn't have the problem with sitting someone like Nas down, and I'll tell you the difference. Okay, my point was that if you're playing rugby league and you're playing at speed and you're a big bopper and you're going in with the task of hitting everyone as hard as you can, and we're making more fatigue come in the game as well there is always going to be high tackles. You aren't going to eradicate them. And obviously the responses are going to be, well, you can make it better. Uh, for some of them, yes, you can. And some techniques can be better. For the Jared tackle on Munster, no, it's not going to be made better because there is nothing wrong with his technique. It is just a shot that just creeps up and is a low-grade high tackle. And if you've got guys that are doing hard, fast tackles in the middle of the field, it is very common for them to have three or four of those low-range ones every year. So I have no issue with those type of tackles. I'm not even talking about Jared getting fines because to me, they're incidental contact. They're not going in to try and do it. The problem that I have with the NAS stuff and why I do agree with uh, NRL physio on it is because NAS is doing stuff premeditated that is dirty. It is grubby and dirty. And And he's just getting away with a three-grand fine every week. Almost. And he knows like, he's doing that per se. This isn't like a high tackle that slips up or mitigating circumstances. He's going in, copying his elbow up and knowing he's doing it. So that's different. He should be sitting down, right? Oh, that's completely. It, like I said, literally, I think it's five out of the last seven weeks, he's had a grade one fine for striking or careless, uh, careless yeah, a sort of tackle. That leading with the elbow. Like how he never got suspended from the Wade Egan one is beyond me. But he just, and because he hasn't, he's going to keep doing it, isn't he? It, as you said, it's, in, it's intentional. That's not accidental. He's, he's doing it intentionally to intimidate as the alpha male and he's getting away with it. And that's, you know, it's just, like, as a rugby league fan, you just can't understand watching that and then 
going back to Hess and Finucane getting Finucane got two weeks for his head clash. Hess got a week. Like but I don't know. I'm lost for words with it. Really, I, I know what Valandis did with the bringing in the grade ones and his fines and not getting people suspended all the time, which is exactly what you said with the the high shots that just creep up and that sort of stuff. That's fine. That's what it's for, but not blatant elbows. Like I just don't get it. Yeah, and look, I I agree that um, you you can change behaviour of someone like Asafa Solomona by sitting him. Um, I just don't think that you can change all behaviours by sitting people down. No, you can't. Of course not. If you, if Asafa Solomona got four weeks for the Wade Egan one, he'd probably think twice about leading with the elbow. But when it comes to high tackles, you're never going to get rid of it. It's just rugby league. It's just it is what it is. It, it, I don't think. In this era, there wouldn't be too many players that go out and intentionally have a swinging nail on a player's no. head. No, and look, to the other points too, there's, there is some sometimes where a player has poor technique and it needs to be corrected. We've seen that in, throughout the history of rugby, rugby league, we've seen that. Um, but there are always going to be a lot of tackles where it isn't a technique thing, it is just a rugby league thing. And this is where if you, if you reset the judiciary and just make it like it used to be, where you go... All right, the matchery committee is going to watch this, and then they're going to decide what you're going to get. It's, I understand why they went with this whole grading system and everything, but it just doesn't work anymore. It's because... never worked. Well, yeah, <laughs> the grading system, but I don't reckon it has ever worked. <laughs> you probably got me there with that argument, person. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's it's just, if they just watch it and just go right. Well, we can see that's an incidental high shot that you that you know was hard to avoid under the circumstances. That's fineable. Whereas you can say with this one, no, that's definitely a technique issue because of this, this, and this, and you've done it before, so we will sit you down for that. And with this, we can see it's grubby and dirty and you know exactly what you're doing, in our opinion. I'd rather just got back to opinions on it and not just say oh, for sure. all these things are in the same bucket and they're all going to get the same. When we know that and, that 75 different charges that year for 75 different players isn't the same at all. They're all different. Especially if you're watching the game too. There's a different vibe in each game where these things happen. Like sometimes there's a bit more intensity and there's a bit more grubbiness in a game. So you, you can sort of see where that's coming from. And then other times it's just... A, purely out of the blue, clear accident type of thing. So, I mean, that's, the judiciary used to be like that forever. And then until they brought in this, I don't know, it just doesn't work. It's just, there seems to be all those things they bring in, there's just less consistency with it. Yeah, and there was a, another big charge out of the Roosters in Storm game too, which was a big casualty, and that was uh, Lindsay Collins got four weeks for a hip drop tackle. Now, I didn't actually really notice it that much at the time, um, it being that bad. Um, and obviously Eisenhuth was hurt, which I felt bad about. Um, but to me, it, it didn't look as bad as some of the other hip top tackles, and four weeks is a long time. Um, it just, I, I'm not defending Lindsay Collins, but I just didn't see it as him meaning to really do that. And I also say it by the same token of I, I'm just benchmarking all these different things that are happening, even just in the one game, and going, it just doesn't all make sense. Four weeks, you know. No weeks, fine, nothing, didn't talk about this one, one week for this one. It just, none of it really made sense to me in that whole round of football, really, with all the things that we saw and the suspensions and fines and and then the stuff that we didn't even bother talking about at the match review committee. I absolutely hate the hip drop tackle. I hate it. But having said that, if you watch a game and you look for it, there'd be another dozen a game that go unnoticed. It's when a player goes down, then they seem to focus on it. It was the same thing with Hastings and Carrigan. Uh, you, know, you could probably find another five in that game 
but because the player didn't get hurt, they sort of don't notice it so much. It's, I don't know. It's, I just I hate any of that stuff coming in around the legs of the players that are already sort of held. But I don't like it either. Um, but at the same time, and I'll even go away from Collins, but I saw a little bit of this in the Collins one. You have to, like, if you tackle someone around the waist or above the knees, it's especially if you're six foot five, you can't stay upright and just sit there. You're going to get moved along with the tackle and you're going to slide down the legs. Now, you don't want to put all the weight on the legs, but you are going to end up around the legs. And most of the tackles end up that way. Uh, it's just, it's really hard because I, I just say I would find it hard as a defender to know what I can do to avoid being suspended at the moment. And I also say I also say that person not knowing, like some of these guys probably do do it on purpose and that's bad, but I just don't know because so many of the times it's not on purpose and it's rugby league. I don't think it is on purpose most of the time, Barnes. It's just the way they, they get taught to like, sort of tackle. And as you said, the three players are like, holding the bloke up, trying to get him to the ground. And that was my point with the, the you, you don't notice most of them because the player doesn't get injured. There's plenty more in every game, every week, that don't even get penalised. But when it goes wrong and a player gets injured, then they know, oh, that's a hit drop. Well, I do think it was a great game of footy. It's a it's a bit of a shame that the that the talking points afterwards are all these big issues in the game with Naz and JWH, among others, and Collins being suspended and things. Uh, it, it's a shame because it was a really good tussle and both sides really tried their guts out and really went for that win. I um, mean, it was right up in the air until the 80th minute. So well done to the contest. I thought it was a great contest and great footy to watch. And can we just finish up on this one per se by, you know, I've got a way to fix this. We all loved seeing that. The PC community didn't, the Matry community didn't, and um, everyone else. But have you ever seen the film Purge? The Purge? I reckon we just go for a, a rugby league purge once a year. You know, have you seen the movie The Purge, Persa? Yeah. Just let them go at it for one round. You know, The Purge, you've got one day. You can kill anyone, you can murder anyone, you can beat someone up, you can do whatever you want. How, look, we've got all these other special rounds in rugby league. Let's have a purge round in purge the round. Just just go for it. Just do whatever you want, boys. Jump out of the stands, chase the officials. Throw them <laughs> off the side of Bank West. Well, if we could see a few more of those Storm Brewster's games, the I reckon we might get a bit of support for it. Oh, it was a cracking game. It was up there, one of the, obviously, definitely one of the top five games this season for sure. Uh, NRLW round two kicked off uh, last week and a few interesting talking points from that one. Before we do, I need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast in TopSport, topsport.com.au. You can go and jump on there and have a look. They've often got best odds in market, and they are 100% Australian-owned, which I love. You get fantastic service from them, and it's not just about sport with them either. They've got great service and great odds in their racing as well. And look, player performance markets, I've spoken about it before. It's a lot of fun. You can bet the over and under on the point scoring. Uh, It's a fantasy point scoring system. You can really easily see that. Underneath, they've got a key that tells you what the scoring is, and it is based on the NRL statistics. So if you go to nrl.com, you can have a look at the statistics and see what it's based on and and go from there. But it's based on the real game statistics the NRL provides. So player performance markets are great on top sport, but if you're going to jump on there, make sure you gamble responsibly. But make sure when you create an account that you use the promo code of this podcast, and that is SC All Stars, all one word. When you create an account and they'll ask if you've got a promo code, make sure you throw that in because... When you do and you create that account, they'll know you're one of our listeners and they'll take great care of you. But topsport.com.au, go get on and have a look today. Broncos went down to the Roosters 28-8. to 8. 
Broncos lost round one too. So all of a sudden, you know, at Suncorp Stadium, they get flogged by 20 against the Roosters, which in NRLW especially, um, it's not a it's not a small margin at all. That is a flogging, 20 points. Um, the Roosters obviously went were in the grand final and won last year, but the Broncos have been in all the other ones and have been the dominant force. And they're coming in 0-2 in round three now. Really strong performance from the Roosters. Um, and look, there was some really good players in it. Um, I thought Bremer was great. Um, she got a well, she got a try herself. Kearney got a double. Uh, but yeah, the Broncos just looking a bit older, looking a bit underdone. So maybe their reign is officially over now, per se. Despite not winning last year, I think they're still a bit of a powerhouse in the NRLW, but didn't quite get there again week two. Lost a couple of players too, the Bronx. But um, oh, for the Bruces and the Dragons, really, so far in a the uh, NRLW, they look what the two teams to beat. Yeah, Dragons had a good win, 16-10 over the Eels. I think they were actually trailing in that one as well. Um, so they did well. And they also only won by the six, but they lost all, uh, missed all four of their conversions too, which uh, I think that they've not been kicking well this year. So that's a bit of a um, working point for Jamie Seward and the girls over there. But Paige McGregor got a double. I thought she was awesome as well. Um, well I thought uh, in that Dragons game too, I thought... Um... Broughton for the Oils fullback. She was sensational in that game. Yeah, yeah, she was really good. Uh, she got the, um, I think she got the two points in the 3-2-1 as well. She had a really cracker crack game. Titans are 12, Newcastle Knights 16. Um, Knights uh, meant to be one of the um, one of the smoky favourites for this year. I think like the favourites probably the Roosters, but a lot of people going for the Knights over the Dragons and things. Um, the Knights got another win, but it was only by six points against the Titans. And I think, you know, that's, I'm not going to say it's a win for the Titans because they lost, but, you know, only going down by four against a bit of a powerhouse in the night. So it wasn't too bad for them. They've been pretty gritty so far, the Titans. The first couple of games. But Hancock goes, she's awesome <laughs> for the prop. She's unreal for him. But um, yeah, the Knights, I think, because they recruited so well, Millie Boyle and Tanika Upton and brought the, um, Hannah Southwell home, even though she their ACL in the first game and younger sisters there. They got a few good recruits tonight, so they won both. But um yeah, that was a good performance from the Titans. They were right with them. Mm, well, at the moment we've got the Paramount Eels and the Broncos out of the top four, um, which Broncos are sitting last after two rounds, which you know, in a short season, you know, they've got a lot of work to do to go back to the powerhouse that they were. The Roosters are up the top. So pretty good top three, I reckon. Roosters, Knights and Dragons. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting round three for the NRLW. Moving along, uh, Man and Ponga obviously had Toilet Gate a few weeks ago. Um, up your <laughs> neck of the woods, per So I did see that they've now put someone snuck into that Clark. cubicle and they put a plaque there, to, you know, commemorating what happened between Ponga and Man in the cubicle. That's pretty good. That's Newcastle spirit. Yeah, yeah, the old Hotel Delaney, one of the main streets in Newey and Derby Street, Cooksville. But um, that, I, that, I cracked up at that, the plaque, <laughs> the, the Kurt Mann and Carla Ponger Memorial plaque on the Dunny. That was typical Newcastle. Well, I mean, they've escaped punishment. And I think a few people, a few media outlets have kind of gone at that. Um, I Look, it's NRL punishment, and I think that's what fans need to understand. The NRL's done investigations. There's no NRL punishment. Now, if they did cocaine for the first time and it was found that they did it, then we wouldn't even know that they were being punished for it anyway because of the first offence. Um, but in saying that, even if they tested positive, and this was the whole problem with testing them, they then have to prove or have admittance from the players that they actually did it in that cubicle. 
um, which was going to be an issue because they could just say that they didn't. So I, I think that you have to always give benefit of the doubt on face value when you've got all the information. And the information that we have now is maybe it was just, you know, Pong was sick or whatever. Maybe they wanted to go in there and chat about a bird that was ever on the dance floor or something, you know, whatever. Like could have been there having a spurt in the Donnie's mind. Could have been anything. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think it's fair. Um, I do agree with some of the media coverage that now the Knights probably need to have more of a problem with it than the NRL. The NRL, to me, my opinion, NRL should have no problem with it. Knights should have a problem with it. Why? Because it's two of their exactly. players that should have been on the sideline watching their team um, back home at Newcastle getting on the drink while they're in a rehab group. Um, that doesn't set a good example, and that's that's an issue. Um, and for that, what do you what do you do, Percy? Especially when one of them is the club captain. That's the... That's what we touched on. One of them is the club captain. I know this day and age, I don't know. I still have a problem with him not being up there. with the, You're the club captain. You want to go up with the boys, don't you? Be there in the dressing room. Yeah, and this is the other thing. Like, and look, the next point's the Broncos, so I'm going to talk about them as well. You know, the, when you've got guys like Ponga and guys like some of these Broncos players, they're young guys, they're young footballers, and... You want them to love footy. You want them to just love footy so much that they just want to be around it all the time. They want to be going to every game. They want to be a part of every game. They want to be a part of everything, including watching their teammates. And they just, they want to be all about it. You know, that's what you want. And the Broncos are similar. Look, I I don't see it from some of those guys. And I'm not seeing it all the time from Kalen Ponga. It's fine to say that that's just my job, but... You can, get, you can get by on that. And I'm not saying like this is a prerequisite to be a, a great player. You know, there can be very good players that don't live and breathe footy. But I think that if you're a club and you're a fan, you prefer them to live and breathe footy. You know, it's, I always talk about um, Kobe Bryant's one of my favourite NBA players of all time. You see some players these days like Ben Simmons in the NBA and they just don't care about basketball. They're there for the money. They're there for the limelight. They're there for everything else. Kobe Bryant didn't have a life for 16 years or whatever in the NBA. Like, he would actually read at night. He'd watch video. He'd do everything. He'd sleep with his basketball. Like, I went to the, I went to Westfield today. And I picked up a footy. And I actually got chills because I haven't picked up a footy for six months. And, I, you know, I, it made me feel like I wanted to play. You know, I, like, I, I still get that feeling. I haven't played in 12 years. It made me miss playing. You know, and I, I really felt that in myself. And... You want players, young guys, that love the game, to love the game that way. And I just don't see it with some of these guys. And maybe some of that's in Ponga and that's part of the problem. Oh, it definitely is. It's You, like, you don't expect him to live and breathe it. Like, he doesn't have to watch every game. But if you're a club captain, you're the marquee player on and off the field. It's not just His contract's not just about what he does on the field. It's his marketability off the field. And they've known him club captain. I don't know. It's... To me, I, you expect him to not only you, you shouldn't have to push him. You just expect him. If you're a club, you'd want to be up there. You'd want to be with the boys. You'd want to be there, just in the sheds, talking to the guys for the game. You want to be watching them. You want that's why you're the captain. If if you're not doing that, like ah, oh, just going to go and buy. Now I can get on the piss. I don't care what happens. You know, it's just it's a I don't know. It's, it's obviously a different time, but I I just struggle with that. Like to me, that's not captain material. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I think it might even take some pressure off him if um, if from this just say they have the punishment as, you know, Caitlin, you're not going to be captain next year. I can think that I might think be positive be for thing. him. Oh, I think that'd be a good thing for the club. But it, it, he's better off just being the, the superstar fullback, not the captain. He's, I don't think he's a captain. Yeah. And look, it, again, I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world at all. 
Um, and I certainly don't think the NRL should have punished him, which they didn't, which is good. Uh, I saw old Buzz, Buzz, no, agree with Buzz Rothfield saying, oh, yeah. you know, the worst <laughs> thing he did was walk out with a bourbon out of the cubicle. And I was thinking to myself, oh, Perso, if this was us, we'd be in trouble. You know, back in the day, you'd probably be 12 drinks in and you're walking out with a Midori Illusion shaker or a fruit tingle. <laughs> the, the promo girls have gotten to you and you'd look a lot worse than walking out with just a, a manly little glass of bourbon. So I reckon he's done all right. He could have done worse. Yeah. Buzz, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we started to touch on the Broncos and the trouble there. Um, there's obviously been some rumours that Walters has lost a little bit of the shed um, and then some people have come out in the media and said, no, nah, that's garbage, it's just made up and all this stuff. I don't, you never know what to believe. You never know, you know, what parts of the media had different agendas and whatever and certainly that has a play at times when articles are written and rumours are released, but... I can't possibly see that he does have the shed with the way that the players are playing for him in Walters. And if there is any shred of truth that players were upset about being sprayed by him, then I, you know, you don't want those guys in your club, you know, and that's just, it's just such a soft underbelly. And the reason why I say, I'm going to say it makes sense that that is the case is because it's what you see on the field. You see them soft, you see them crumble at the first adversity on the field. And you just see them not playing for each other, not playing for the jersey. And that's the type of player and attitude that he's going to get annoyed when you call it out and you spray him. So it's uh, probably a lot of it's, you know, Walter's responsibility and fault as well. Uh, but certainly there's a lot coming through about these players. And it's unfortunately, per so, to fix those type of things, you actually need to clean a few out. And when you're the Broncos, you've already done that a couple of times the last five years. You can't really do it again. So it's it's a bit of a tough spot. How did you sort of see these rumours about Walters losing some of the dressing room and people being upset about the spray and so forth? Oh, it's ridiculous, really. It's been the spray. Like, people need to realise Broncos are a proud club for a long history of a cloud, proud club. And you, you, like, you only need to listen to what he Denon Kemp talking about the Broncos on his podcast. It's just the fabric of the club, all the old boys and what the club was like and getting back to the fabric of what the Broncos were. And that's why they got Kevy back in. That's why they got Ben Eichen in there. And the boys are playing like bastards when they've been going so well. If they can't handle a spray, I feel like, do you think that would happen at Melbourne? Yeah, Bellamy's the, the king of sprays and look at the culture of that club. It's a, just ridiculous. Well, and you're also going to cop so much worse than that and so much more adversity that's going to make you feel worse than that while you're playing in big games. If, if you can't handle that, then you're going to struggle, aren't you, when trying to play in the big games? Oh, 100%. That's, a, that, that's, that's the whole, it's the mental toughness side of it for rugby league. Like everyone talks about rugby league being a tough sport. It is physically a tough sport. Everyone there is a tough human being. But that's the difference between a guy that's just an NRL footballer and the pinnacle of the NRL is the mental toughness side of it. The guys that can get through all that, can play through things, can get through adversity, can handle the down times. And that's, you know, and Kevin, people forget Kevin Walters went through the Broncos in that golden era. He spent a lot of time at the Storm under Bellamy as well as an assistant coach. He's been through a lot of good systems. He was at the Raiders under Chains. He's got, he's been through all that. He knows what, he knows what's needed mentally to be a footballer. So if he's giving you a spray as a coach, you'd listen to what he's saying and you think we've got to do better. Yeah, and even if you're disappointed, and this is probably something to clarify with some fans or listeners or even people in the media, like 
you're allowed to be disappointed with the spray. You're even allowed to be angry about it, but it's how you're responding. Like you don't go off whinging about it. Um, if you're ultra competitive, like I know a lot of players have been really annoyed about getting sprayed, but it's not because they're annoyed at the coach doing it. It's because they're annoyed at the performance. It's because they're annoyed at the situation. It's because they want to go back out there and do it over again and be better. It's because they want to go and play their next game and tear it up. And a lot of them actually rip in the next game after that because they want to prove their coach wrong or whatever. You know, you, it's fine to have that competitiveness. You're not meant to like the spray, but you should accept it because you need to accept some responsibility. Um, and- That's it. It's, it's all about honesty too. Is And if you don't, like after the talk, like- in the heat of the moment after the game and it's still bothering you, then you go up and have a chat, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the expectations are either, per se. Look, you're going to get done 53 to 6 in that type of game after you've been performing terrible for a few weeks and really post-origin. Are you expecting a ribbon or a pat on the back? Like, you, 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 what would these players be expecting? Yeah, I don't know. You've did, they've gone so hard to turn the, around what the Broncos have been for the last two seasons. They've been in the top eight for the majority of the year. They were in the top four. Now, all of a sudden, they're just putting performances like this and the whole season is going away. Like, if you had a set at the start of the year that the Broncos have finished ninth after where they've been, they'd probably accept that. But because they spent so long in the top eight and in the top four, ninth is a failure. It's a huge failure. And you have to put in perspective and context of the season. Like, at the end of the day, they, they were in a position where they were top four a month ago. And then it's, you it's unacceptable. by 60 two weeks in a row. Like, how is that anywhere near acceptable? Like, I don't know. What, you need a pat in the back? I, uh, I don't get it. Yeah. Let's move along to our second last topic. Uh, rugby union after Joseph Suhali. Uh, five years, $2 million. A lot of clams. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. Uh, I'd, I'd pretty much play anything if you gave me that. So <laughs> I don't think that... Um, I don't think it's, it's something that should be dismissed. So how I sort of saw it is I was worried as a Roosters fan. I was worried as a rugby league fan because if I was Joseph, I would be taking the money. Uh, he's a young man. He can go and do that and he can still always come back. And he has played rugby union before. So you know, I, I actually think it's a threat because no one can offer him near that money in the NRL. And it's it's a lot of money to be turning down. To turn down $10 million at his age, um, you know, that could be his career earnings in the NRL or he could spend less than half his career and earn that money and then come back to the NRL. Uh, so I, I think it's a real threat um, as far as whether rugby union should have done it or not. There's word that some of the wallabies and, and so forth are annoyed about it. They have to do it. Rugby union is a dying game in Australia. And, you know, it's I've tried to, I used to enjoy watching the test matches and stuff. I, I've struggled the number of years now. Uh, it's just not enjoyable to watch anymore. Uh. I've struggled from more than Yeah, I mean, we had that real golden era in the 90s with, you know, John Eels and, and those sort of guys coming through and, you know, Tim, Tim Horan and everything. Even the early yeah. 2000s. But it's just, it's no good anymore, basically, right? And you, you want people um, to watch the game. And this guy is an exciting talent and someone who is going to get your headlines and marketing. So it's almost like Perso saying, you know, for the next five years, we're going to pay $10 million for a player, for marketing, to buy fans. Uh, and, and when you start to look at it in that perspective, you actually go, well, it's probably the best spent if you're looking at marketing and getting new fans in and also keeping some rusted on ones a bit more interested. Oh, it's a bold play for rugby, for sure. It's a good play. That's what they need to do. They need to target young superstars from whatever card, whether it's rugby uh, league or union or wherever they want to. And if they were to nab him, 
at that sort of price. And other players that have sort of had a background are going to try and look at it as well. They might get a few more and it might it puts them in the spotlight. But that's what they got to do. As you said, it's a dying game. I mean, they're going to do something about the way they play on field, but at least off field, if they're doing this sort of thing, it's putting the focus on them. You can't you can't blame rugby for for going after it? Yeah, and they did mention on um, Fox when they were talking about this as well about how you know how much of a coup it was when they got Israel Folau. Um, I thought about that as well, and it was how massive was it when they had Lottie Curie and Wendell Saylor? You know, they... and Matty Rogers, and yeah, it was massive at that point. And it made me want to watch, as a, as a rugby league fan that didn't watch rugby union much, it made me want to watch those games. So, I mean, it's going to do the job. It's going to have the, the right impact. So I, I actually think that it's probably the right move. <laughs> I actually think it's probably the right move for rugby union. Um, and I'm worried that he will actually go because I think it's a legitimate option now. Legend Rewind. We had an Englishman the last time you were on Perso. Now we have a New Zealand legend. For me, the, the best New Zealand player of all time. And that is Stacey Jones, the little general. Uh, the great career that he had as a diminutive halfback. He was only small, um, about five foot eight, 80 kilos, but had a massive heart. I loved how he played the game. Some of his uh, accolades, Perso, uh, 2002 Golden Boot winner, which was massive. And obviously went to the 2002 Grand Final with leading the Warriors there, but didn't get the win. Um, but still a, a humongous effort to just get there. Um, in the National Rugby League Hall of Fame, 365 first-class games, 111 tries uh, with that as well. And he's also New Zealand Player of the Year, three different years, um, went to two different World Cups, played in New Zealand's Tri-Nations winning team in 2005, which was a massive 24-0 upset over the over the Kangaroos towards the end of his career. Um, you know, it's... It's just the amount of stuff that he achieved uh, is remarkable. Captain New Zealand in seven of his 46 test matches. 46 test matches is massive. Uh, and then went over and played a couple of years at the Catalans Dragons in the Super League as well. Um, so massive career for Stacey Jones. What do you remember about him? Oh, he was unreal, Stacey Jones. He came back for a cameo year after the Catalans too with the, the Warriors. 261 games for them, but... Um... He had everything, Stacey Jones. He was a good defender. He had a great kicking game, had a great running game. He had ball play all over the park. Uh, is he underrated, Barnsley, on the scheme of things? Like, I know he's 46 tests for New Zealand, but when you talk about that era through everyone and other players, no one sort of mentions Stacey Jones being right up there, but I think he's right up there. I think he's underrated on that. Yeah, I think that he is. Um, like, he, he sort of – he came through at an unfortunate time because – yeah, he started in 95 as an 18-year-old. Um, I guess you could say, like, he was fully peaked by 2000. But obviously at that point, you know, when you're talking halfbacks, you've got the the Alan Langers. Um, you've also got, obviously, Joey Johns. And Johns. everyone just pales in comparison to to those level of, of type of players. And I think that's what and happened. And you're 5 to you Fittler and Lockyer, and we're talking halves. So he sort of gets forgotten about in that, that sort of sense. And then when they do start talking about it, you've got Benji Marshall, the way he sort of, Busted on the scene, gets talked about more. But I think Stacey Jones is one of the best footballers, certainly one of the best halves I've seen. Yeah, look, I, I'm certainly not going to put him on the same tier as like the Langers and certainly not the Johnses. No, and, he's a tier uh, below. But but, but he, de- he de- definitely didn't get talked about um, even comparatively as enough, even being below them. Um, he still didn't get talked about enough. And I will say, I think the unfortunate thing for him is a lot of it is down to the team he was in. 
And I don't mean it being a non-Australian team. I mean it being, you know, the Warriors by and large haven't been a hugely successful club since they came in. And he got them to that grand final, which we'll talk about in a minute because it's a huge, huge achievement. And they were, you know, competitive for points of time there, finishing in the top eight. But by and large, they just didn't have that sustained success, you know, and I think that that actually hurt him and the players around him and the talent around him wasn't always there. No, 100%. uh, Some of his performances at test level were just outstanding. Well, we talk about that 2005 victory um, for the Warriors. Now, 2005, you're talking that um, I think that Fittler and Johns had retired at that point, if I'm right. So I think that it was uh, the Lockyer-led Kangaroos. But that was a stunning upset, 24-0 that New Zealand beat the Kangaroos to take it that year. Yeah, and he was in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, look, the other highlight for me, um, the 2002 grand final. Now, obviously, my Roosters won, so everything was everything was great for me. But in saying that, the, the Warriors that year finished first, which a lot of people don't remember. <laughs> they actually went in as the number one team into that final series and got to the grand final, both things that nobody expected, and it was off the back of Stacey Jones leading them. And, and that side, um, I just I love looking back at that team and some of the names in it, you know, because business and players. Oh god, there's so many players that I loved in that side, and they were all as successful as what they were because of Stacey Jones. You know, he he really he really brought it to them. So this is a side they had. I'll just throw out some names here that I loved watching on the bench. First of all, you had Richard Villasanti and Logan Swan. Love those forwards. Um, Villasanti was probably the number one prop in the world for a year and it was only short-lived, but for that year, there was no one near him. Uh, Logan Swan was an all-time back. He made, made the kangaroos saw that you. Yep. And did he get done stealing? Well, the rumour was he started stealing stuff from people and, uh, you know, obviously the Warriors didn't give him a big enough contract, so he was um, out to cash converters back in those days, I think. But um, <laughs> the rest of the pack, a couple of big names, Ali Lawatiti was one of the oh, most so damaging second rowers I've ever seen in my life. And the, how many balls did he get off Stacey Jones just tearing up edges? Yeah, and he had an offload too, but it, he ran a great line off Stacey Jones. And then you had um, Big Mark Tukey, PJ Marsh in that hooker, and old Jerry, see you, see you. I see you, Jerry. <laughs> Big pack. Um, and then some of the backs, are, uh, yeah, Ivan Cleary was at fullback. Um, I love the um, Clinton Torpy and Francis Melee. Um, center wing combination. That was a great one as well. Yeah, Francis Melly was a great player. Yeah, so it was. It all sounds like he had a really good side around him, but that side was nowhere near a number one team in the 2002 Premiership year or a grand final team. And Stacey Jones made him that. So I think that's probably my biggest specific memory of you know that season. And Stacey Jones obviously scored that try to put them ahead in that grand final just after half time. He ran from 35 metres out and just cut the roosters to shreds. And that was just. That's an outstanding all-time moment. Yeah, he was a fantastic little player. Fantastic. It is, yeah, you always love watching Stacey Jones play. So for me personally, Little General was probably his nickname. It's a good one to finish up on. Um, he was he really was a general on the field. His, his kicking game was outstanding, uh, probably better than his passing game even. And he had a really good running game yeah, too. I, he was really incisive, had the step, had the speed. So he had everything. He could defend, he could run, he could kick, he could pass. So his kicking game in that era, he was probably he was top three in the call for his kicking game. Yeah, and one of the things that I think um would do well if the Warriors had one of him right now 
one of the biggest things was his heart. I always thought he was such a small bloke and he had such a massive heart. He played so hard and he played so hard for his country and for that jersey for the Warriors. And if they had just a few of him in the current Warriors side, they'd be 10 times better. 100%. Stacey Jones, what a great way to finish up the Talking Footy podcast for this episode. Perso, thank you very much for coming on board, mate. I do hope that your Tigers get a win this week, although I don't want the Broncos to get in <laughs> over Canberra, so I'm a little bit torn on wishing you luck. No, never do all. <laughs> never do all. <laughs> I'd love to see the Broncos miss the eight, so it doesn't, doesn't matter what happens. Well, uh, we'll get you on again soon, mate. We've got the spoon regardless, so it doesn't matter. We'll get you on soon. <laughs> you know, we, can, um, we can both be Roosters fans together during the finals, all right? Sounds good. Good to have all a right, somewhere. Well... <laughs> Everyone tuning in, you can grab us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, as well as Amazon and Audible. You can also follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And also make sure you hit up our sponsor, topsport.com.au. Use the promo code SC All Stars and they'll take great care of you. Enjoy the footy this round. We're only one round away from the semi final start and can't wait for it. Can't wait to talk more footy again with everyone. And how good week. is this semi final series going to be, Martin? It's going, it to, be is going to be the best. Hello, it is the most open that I can oh. remember ever in my lifetime, personally. So Me I will too. get you on after the first round of semi finals. Awesome. You're, you're booked in. Done. Everyone, oh. <laughs> come listen to us in a couple of weeks. Go for it again. Hey now, you're an all star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get.